Hello and welcome back to the Spinner Rack here at the Marvel New Universe Comics Podcast. As always, we're your hosts, Stephen with Spitfire number nine and and Andy with, I guess I'm doing the intro today. I don't have a comic book to talk about. <laughs> oh, well, uh, but we can still talk about the new universe. Uh, started in 1986, our new universe was an imprint from Marvel Comics dedicated to a more grounded and less fantastic approach to comics. The idea was the world outside your window with real-time progress. Uh, eight new comic series launched in one month, set in our world in 1986. And now as the stories progress to 1987, the world still largely doesn't know about paranormals except a few secret agencies. Um, and so... As a podcast listener, you can follow along with us each week as we go through each comic in the order they hit the spinner rack, or just check out individual comics, individual episodes if you already have a favorite. Um, you can also find us at kickersinc.com. Lots of cool stuff, including a super sleuth sweepstakes, test your knowledge, win some prizes, a new contest coming soon when we brainstorm one. Uh, we've got some Twitter activity at Kickers Inc. And we also are members, but not owners of a very good Facebook fan page, the Marvel Comics New Universe fans. Shout out to them. Always. Well, this week I will be covering, well, let's uh, Spitfire and no more troubleshooters. Professor Jenny Swenson stole and then destroyed her father's advanced Max armor briefly went to prison and was being pushed off stage of her own title by five MIT student hackers until they gave up. With no real direction to her title, I mean life, Jenny has now been abducted by mysterious government officials wanting her services. It's a little <laughs> transitional here. A little bit. I, I don't think Marvel's going to hire you to write their promo material. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the Marvel Age write-up was Spitfire number nine, and it, I think, literally says just Spitfire. With Spitfire's life in ruins, the troubleshooters divided. What more could possibly happen? The Sinister Club has the answer, and it's a killer, written by Carrie Bates. Whereas the New Universe News, um, Jenny's on her own, and she has to make a decision that could change her whole life. Um, so yeah. as usual, that's a little closer. But. Right. Briefer and closer. Uh, we haven't had the club come back in a little while. I think. <laughs> it's hard to tell. Oh, haven't we? <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and so as, as I said, um, Spitfire is the only comic we'll be covering. Star Brand is at this point in time back in 87 was sort of in the process of going bi-monthly so we're skipping it until it kind of gets back on regular publishing schedule um, as far as things go and then at the end we may discuss the new universe slogan contest which was in universe news and maybe you know kickers inc news mm. all right so Let's dive right in with Spitfire and the End of the Troubleshooters, number nine. And again, I'm kind of joking. The cover title is just Spitfire. And, but the indicia inside still has it as Spitfire and the Troubleshooters, volume one, number nine. It's a uh, cover dated June 87. And hit the stands, let's say March 17th, 1987. It, uh, the cover is um, a picture of uh, Spitfire, Jenny Swinston. Uh, she's riding a horse um, behind a, a man who's um, also riding the horse. And the horse is rearing up and they are being attacked by a sort of a larger yellow version of the Max Armor. Who is also riding a horse. No. <laughs> a no horse for the Spitfire Armor. If the, yeah, if the horse was, was, if there was a Spitfire Armor for a horse, that would be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> that costs extra. No, it would. Um, let's see. 
logo's a light yellow tint, but uh, I don't see a credit for the cover. It's not bad, but it's a bit of a spoiler for the issue if they're like, why are they doing this? Why are we going here? Oh, to to find a, a rogue Max armor. Oh, okay. That's <laughs> kind of you know, your reveal right there. Okay. Um, or as far as we know, I mean, as a if, if you were picking this up the first time and you remember all the different kinds of times they miscolor the covers on these things, like maybe someone just screwed up and made it yellow. <laughs> yeah, that's a reasonable. Uh, I'm trying to give them an out. A yes prize. That's what we're always going for. Yeah. yeah. So turning in, uh, turning the page, we've got the splash page and the title of the story, Strung Out to the Max. And uh, Max is M-A-X. As in Man Amplified Experiment. That's right. Um, the, the credits are, again, Carrie Bates writer, Alan Kupperberg breakdowns, and Tony DiZanuga inker. Um, and the splash is interesting. It is Eddie Giotti and uh, Teresa standing under sort of a bow that of um, his strong arms, which he has clamped onto a couple of uh, other flimsy looking chairs in someone's living room. And they are doing the uh, over the top um, arm wrestling move. <laughs> On each other and i think there's like sparks flying um teresa is saying eddie eduardo giotti are you sure you know what you're doing he uh he's got an arm in a cast uh, or a sling at least he's never been sure of anything in my life teresa uh, roberts i think your name was but... that sounds right um the troubleshooters are history this is the end Oh, well, that was fast. <laughs> Page one, man. This is the end. The end of the troubleshooters, I guess. I thought I could handle it. I thought I could use strong arms one last time, just long enough to bring Bhakti in. You'll rem all remember his confrontation with Arun Bhakti, a.k.a. Steelhawk, uh, at the end of last issue, while Jenny has disappeared and was... Um, abducted by a government agency, which was then sort of testing her in a mystery contest. Um, Eddie uh, had lost Andy and Tim Ferriss was uh, mortally wounded and Eric Chin had just stormed off. And so he and Teresa had tried to take down Steelhawk themselves and attacked him apparently successfully at a massage parlor until Bhakti was um, rescued by a machine gun wielding ninja. The old surprise ninja through the window routine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, once you surprise me once, you know, shame on you. Surprise me twice. Shame on me. So um, anyway, Long enough to bring Bhakti in so he could be put away for murdering Andy and maiming Tim. But once I found the scum, I couldn't stop. Stop myself from using the arms to do, do the damnedest to shatter every bone in his body. In cold blood, I nearly killed Bhakti in cold blood. His accomplice hadn't shown up at the last minute with an Uzi. Strong arms are like grinding themselves into uh, an explosion here. That's why I had to do it, Ter. I had to program strong arms to self-destruct as they blow up in her living room. Hmm. Don't be so hard on yourself, Eduardo. You were the one who was nearly shot to death at that health club two weeks ago. Thank God for the max armor. Anyway, I knew this Octi and his kind were killers, and my thirst for revenge still made me lose control. I still tried to commit murder. Yeah, okay. Oh, and then they remember the book they're in. Jenny's been missing for two weeks now. <laughs> Wherever she oh, well. is, I hope she's all right. I really do. But I never want to see her Max Armor again. Carrie follows up with, amen to that. 
Mm. Ah, what a relief. <laughs> I guess we'll, we'll watch these two troubleshooters head off into the sunset and not have to worry about them in the future. Anyway. So I got, I got a quick question for you. Yeah, yeah. So I wrote myself a top 10 problems I have with the strong arms being destroyed. Should we do that now or you want to wait till the end? Uh, let's hit it now. All right. You remember David Letterman? <laughs> yeah. Top 10 reasons. I feel like the new universe audience, at least, has seen the David Letterman. <laughs> Letterman was popular in the 80s, yes. All right. So, I mean, the first one I wrote was, you know, why the bleep would you blow them up, right? These are my favorite <laughs> things in the Spitfire and the Troubleshooters comic. Really, yeah. yeah. I think we've, we've all enjoyed this the strong arms and the mini maxes overall, I think were a fun direction. I like the mini maxes. Yeah. But Number then two, the strong arms were probably oh, the best. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They were the best. Number two, why in your living room? <laughs> Good question. It's like, right? there's like, a, yeah, it's like, like flames and smoke rising from the flames. <laughs> the chair is on fire. They're just sitting there. Uh, Three, and this is debatable. I didn't think they looked right, uh, but I think maybe it was like that clamp thing was a little hard to figure out at first. Sure. So reason number four, strong arms rule. Uh, reason number five, uh, Steelhawk deserved to die. I mean, you're not Batman, Giotti. He had it coming, right? Killed your friends, was going to kill you. Like, yeah, I don't think there's a big moral quandary here. The guy's a... I, an assassin and a murderer <laughs> yeah this is for me that's that's a definite agree the the moral quandary of like this guy tried to kill you and he did kill your friend and blah 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 it's like yeah hey man you're yeah you don't owe them anything <laughs> uh reason number six it makes me personally sad <laughs> reason number seven sell them right i mean make some money sell the idea right uh, i mean i mean that's it there, there was the whole but... thing about like you know foreign uh, letting them fall into you know evil military industrial complex people so yeah that's you could put them on a shelf i guess i mean who's gonna you know... <laughs> uh um reason eight was why are they floating because when i read it the first time i didn't really i didn't really recognize that they were clamped to the chair i guess i didn't even imagine that would make sense so it just kind of looks like they're hovering in the air arm wrestling each other <laughs> so i guess that's on me maybe we can redact those are eight. those chairs are these like aerodynamic styled ones so i mean it's not even like it, it would make a good clamp uh, anyway yeah number nine was similar physics right how is the elbow joint breaking in this case right like i I, I didn't get it yeah and then number 10 which i think is compelling steelhawk probably wants you dead and there's ninjas everywhere like keep your only weapon to keep (laughs) you alive man stick it under your bed or something you'll be fine (laughs) that is my top 10 reasons why uh, the strong arms should not have been destroyed. So you make a good, uh, compelling argument there. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go through the next two pages and then we'll go back, revisit number 10. All right. <laughs> so somewhere deep in the snow swept reaches of Western Scandinavia, an interesting location. But okay. And we have two people talking in a hospital room with someone who's in a, a classic, you know, bandaged head to toe, like a mummy and, you know, strung up uh, at least one arm is like being held somewhere. So he's like in a body cast, you know, very uh, messed up. And they, the voices talking are talking about, I know what it is Bhakti thinks about day after day as he recuperates from his massive injuries. He thinks of revenge. Revenge against the remaining troubleshooters he failed to eliminate. There's a memory of strong arms. The one thing that was protecting your life, Eddie, 
Yeah. <laughs> Most of all, revenge against the one with the armored arms, the one who brutally beat Bhakti within an inch of his life. Not, not feeling so good about uh, Eddie's uh, long term. Revenge, Varna, is an emotion which he now will now, may now be well beyond his ability to grasp. There's a chance your comrade is, I guess he's going to say brain damaged. That's the doctor. Enough, doctor. And it's this uh, rather striking woman. I guess Varna. I told you once, I don't want to hear any more talk about brain damage. I refuse to believe it. <laughs> That's how medicine works. If you refuse to believe the doctor, then he'll be all right. Myarun <laughs> sees and hears everything that goes on in this room. He knows who I am and he remembers, doctor. He remembers every detail of what happened that afternoon two weeks ago in Boston. <laughs> the face of the mad dog with the roboticized arms. That's what I want people to remember me as a mad dog with roboticized arms. Who attacked him so unrelentingly would have surely shattered every bone in his body had he not been interrupted by the second agent who arrived on the scene just in time to save his life. The life of the man she's always loved since their early days together, fighting for their homeland, our homeland. He remembers Doctor, and most of all, he remembers Varna. So this <laughs> woman was the... Who talks like this? <laughs> Is this like sort of poorly translated out of whatever Middle Eastern dialect they were? supposed to be speaking so yeah that that ninja was uh his girlfriend was it i guess that's what i'm getting i don't know i wasn't so sure you think it's just his like she calls him also a ninja because she narrates herself as barna but then narrates the ninja as second agent yeah i mean i i mean yeah i don't know it's like what 250 pounds I, I mean, yeah, <laughs> and she, she's no, I don't know, who, who am I thinking of? Um, she's drawn as re- relatively uh, you know, normal looking, not like over muscular. And uh, yeah, she's not passing like the thing. firefighter training or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She could have um, dragged him out by his feet. Ooh. That's probably how Teresa got Eddie out, actually. Right. He was like surrounded by flames. Eddie! Well, that Rolfing lady looked pretty buff. She might have been able to save Eddie. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> she was a. So It'd be funny if the Rolfing lady was the ninja who, like, this is my best <laughs> customer. I must save him. <laughs> Throws on the outfit real quick. And she was outside or, like, at least in the front on the phone kind of thing. So she could have, like, wrapped around and jumped through the window. I don't know. Hmm. Okay. Well, I'm fan kind of, theory. I don't know. I, I now you're making me get second guess my my Varna ninja thing, but I mean, so here we go. If uh, you know, Bhakti ever gets out of his coma, first thing he will do is kill Eddie Giotti. That's you know well established here. Two pages later, so. Okay, we've just established that the troubleshooters are defenseless. They're against the uh, future. Whatever. Okay. So, yeah, as according to my number 10, then I would say that's actually... Rest my case. Anyway, I think we're moving on from the troubleshooters probably for good now. Yeah, maybe. Um, We're getting over to uh, where Jenny has been um, tested and has now been uh, on R&R for a couple of weeks, um, some secret installation somewhere. I don't remember a location for it, so who knows. Um, Ed- Edmund Roth, the somewhat tedious narrator of last issue is back and he is uh, speaking to Jenny who is in Max armor. So you see, Jennifer, these past two weeks R&R here at the complex have been recompense, shall we say. Just the company's way of making up for the rather extreme measures that were used to bring you here. Extreme? You kidnap me, throw me unarmed into a locked room with a psychotic killer, stress test me for 12 hours? That's your definition of extreme. 
And uh, we see the Max Armor breaking the desk, grabbing uh, Roth by his lapels. So the plan was to co- bring me here and coerce me into recreating Max suit, right? Well, listen, Mr. Roth, Mr. Double Dealer, Mr. Dirty Trickster, the plan succeeded. You want to see a spitfire? No, <laughs> no. Turn the page again, and it's the same um, beginning with uh, Roth just telling her, you know, two weeks of rest has been our uh, chance to um, uh, pay you back for, for all the trouble of bringing you here. I think this is... Uh, Sorry so we that, kidnapped you. You have a smoothie. <laughs> <laughs> the first page is uh, something I, I, I got from uh, an issue of Empowered as a counterfactual scenario. Oh. The, uh, like, what Spitfire was really wishing was going on. So uh, Roth continues, these uh, photos of your Spitfire suit, it's the Max suit, um, in action, hardly begin to cover its potential. And we actually see the covers from issues, I think, two, three, and four. Yeah. Two, four, and three, maybe. Um, And he keeps talking about how vital the Max technology is. And uh, Jennifer, have you been listening? Just thinking, Mr. Roth, thinking about what the Spitfire suit would enable me to do to you, to this entire complex. I could level it to the ground. Yeah, I wouldn't, you know, kidnap someone and uh, mistreat them just to, and then say, could you build a super weapon for us? That would be great, you know. Yeah, don't use the us or anything. Just come <laughs> on, you know, hand it over. Anyway, Roth continues, of course. Ah, this must be the infamous temper that pr- prompted your Spitfire nickname. Wouldn't you be like screaming if this was a temper tantrum? So she's like, two weeks, for two weeks, you've kept me penned up here, under hidden camera surveillance, day and night, constantly surrounded by company propaganda. Oh, wow. Spitfire has been living in the 2022 for a week, couple weeks. Okay. Amazing. <laughs> she's had enough. She wants out. And he's like, well, maybe you won't listen to me, but what about someone else? And then she hears a voice. If you're hearing this message, Jenny, dear, it means the contingency I always feared has come to pass. That voice, Dad, it just can't be. And there's a TV screen, and it's um, the image of her father on, I guess, videotape at the time. Regardless of the circumstances that brought about my death, um, as you're here viewing this videotape, it means you've met Edmund Roth. Knowing Edmund, it's probably subjected you to some sort of rigorous test using intimidation and force and effort to make you turn over the secrets of our technology. It's a, you know, just a little joke we used to play on each other back in (laughs) school, I guess. A little on the nose there, Dad. (laughs) So I'm sure you're probably sitting uh, there wearing a brown jacket and (laughs) a blue shirt. So I'm, I'm sure you've uh, thought about peaceful applications for our work of weapons of mass destruction, but these are far from peaceful times. My death is left behind. What? I urge you to keep an open mind. Remember, he was the big pacifist in the first place, right? Yeah. Give the most a cons- couple guns. <laughs> the most con- serious consideration to whatever is being asked of you future course of max technology now weighs solely on your shoulders daughter anyway sheesh yeah Uh, roth is like oh a great man was carl swenson his instructions were to play this tape for you only in the event of his death will you think about it yeah i'll think about it next next panel okay i'm i'm leaving now yeah (laughs) that's all the thinking i need like um i do appreciate that she doesn't buy it <laughs> yeah i think she's well as she says um once he she boards the this plane which is a private jet that they've arranged for her she's she's thinking to herself like i said no promises except you'll hear my answer soon after i talk to my lawyer 
So I, I don't know if you're going to get a lawyer on the U.S. government, uh, like secret agency, but uh, okay, you can try. Bernie wasn't that great at, at, in the courtroom <laughs> with a regular case, but you know, see if you can get him to subpoena the head of the CIA for him. Anyway, she's happy, but uh, the door slams and then we get uh, an introduction from another character, Travis, Jackson Travis, though most of my friends call me Jake. Definitely, I'm not asking for a uh, vodka martini that's been uh, shaken and not stirred. Anyway, you must be the Swenson girl, Jenny, isn't it? She's not too thrilled. (laughs) Um, he's uh, saying that he's headed for Atlanta and we're just uh, riding together and uh, anyway this will be great right nothing suspicious at all Swenson Swenson I keep thinking I had to recognize that name from somewhere you wouldn't have anything to do with ice cream would you Swenson come on man so I didn't even remember Swenson's. Do you remember Swanson? Swanson? Yeah, I think that's actually, right. There was actually a Swenson's ice cream chain. Yeah, because that there was a blog post by uh, one of the creators, Elliot R. Brown, where he was actually saying that he and his uh, co-writer were um, hanging out at a at, at a local Swenson's when they were working on this a lot, and that's where they got gave her the name. Oh yeah, look at that. So it's it's a curious case. You look it up on Wikipedia, and it like um, existed in the seventies. It expanded a lot, and now it exists almost solely as franchises over in Asia. Mm-hmm. Interesting. <laughs> curious, but yeah, the there there is a Swenson ice cream, Jenny Swenson tied. So I guess we can't try some in honor of it. If it's not around here, yeah. Well, uh, oh well. So um, we flash back to Edmund Roth's. Uh, well, we 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 have another video of um, Carl Swenson, Jenny's dad. So you see, Jenny, I left this second tape behind this <laughs> added insurance, just in case you needed to hear more reasons why it's so vital. It's very vital for you to work with Edmund and his agency. Heck now, and you can get Professor Swenson's 18-volume VHS series of why my daughter should help the government. If these free samples of issue one and two don't convince you, I'm sure the other 16 will. Or we'll just drop you. Yeah, he uh, so he's like, freeze it. Get uh, rid of this line. Try to be uh, introduce this other tone, change it to this, do that. So the, whoever the, some technician is that's programming this, but you're losing all your resolution. I said freeze it, not lose it. Minor screw up in the disk drive of the animator, Mr. Roth. I'll have the Carl Swenson program up to snuff before you can say max headroom. Has to be pixel perfect, at Rupert. She's an intelligent woman. I'm and a second video. <laughs> Letter from her late father will not have the same shock value as the first. Old dog. Yes. Uh, it's up all night. I'm like, no, oh, what happens if something happens to me? I should leave a message to my daughter. I won't tell her about anything about my feelings or how much I love her or how much she means to me. <laughs> Just talk about Edmund Roth and the government a bit. Yeah, the um... no one will see through this plan. <laughs> Perfect. I do uh, like the shout out to Max Headroom. Do you remember yeah. Max? Okay. It's popular in the, the 80s, so it's a good, uh, uh, good call back there. So um, we flash back to the plane where uh, Travis has been um, talking. Uh, he really is the protege of Edmund Roth. Uh, okay. It's like three hours and he hasn't shut up according to the uh, narration or Jenny's response. Anyway, my three-year hitch in the priest corps finally woke me up and got me questioning where my life was. That's when I decided to work for Edmund Roth uh, for peaceful purposes only. Um, mm. Anyway, um, Jenny is looking, 
like there was a library of actual books in this plane. Doesn't sound very like pound intent. Uh, well, I mean, that's a large like amount of weight, but okay. It's convenient for the story. Come convenient on. for the story. She has looked up a book on astronomy and um, she starts telling uh, Travis that um, she'd noticed something odd about the constellations and she confirmed it wasn't the stars in the sky that were out of place. It's us. We're um, nowhere near Boston or Atlanta. We're in the Eastern Hemisphere. I'd say we're flying over the Balkans right now. Is there like different stars in the Eastern Hemisphere? Uh, I mean, maybe based on the time of day? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so the, the plane shakes up and she says there's another change of course and oh! Speaking of videotape, here's one of our buddy Edmund Roth. Uh, Travis isn't that happy to see it either. Good evening, Jennifer Jake. Have you not had a narrator for a while? Permit me to. <laughs> so your true Let me tell you why you should listen to the videotape from your father. <laughs> um, your true destination is neither Boston nor Atlanta. It's Afghanistan. Anyway, to avoid detection, you'll uh, fly over at about 50,000 feet, and then you can halo your way down to avoid detection. On the ground, you'll rendezvous with the contact who has further instructions. What? <laughs> she knows how to halo jump, right? She's, she's like, well, what the heck does halo mean? Um, this is, yeah, I mean, it, I don't remember hearing it in... Uh, until a few years later, but um, high altitude, low opening parachuting. Uh, that was like a, it was like a Pierce Brosnan uh, James Bond movie where he did that at the beginning. I remember. Hmm. I feel like I learned about it from the back description cards on GI Joe action figures. Oh, that would have been good too. Thank you, so, Larry Hama. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, Jenny's like, I'm not putting on a shoot. And Travis is upset. Blast you, Roth. You're doing this to us again, aren't you? You're doing it to us again. Guy just loses it. Calm down. So um, she's like, look, just don't jump out. I mean, what, he's not here to pull a gun on us. Let's just sit in the plane and he's going to have to turn it around and take us home at some point. She's, uh, let's see. After starts thinking to herself, Afghanistan. What am I saying? How did this all happen? A few days ago, I was on a date with Bernie, trying to figure out how my life had gotten so screwed up. And now, now I've stepped into some nightmare. I don't know how to get out. Yeah, we all feel you there, Jim. Okay. Um, Travis is now curled up into a ball on the floor. <laughs> um, he's remembering and talking about how he doesn't remember things very well. And... Uh, he has a memory that is um, drawn out of him doing kung fu stick fighting with someone else and maybe beating the other guy to a pulp. Um, and as you see, the, the, he's like, was that me? It wasn't me, but, but it must have been me. Yeah. And you see the face of the Travis, Jake Travis, um, looking very happy about beating this guy up. Oh, yeah. this is a terrible memory. Okay. I think it might be Chuck for like Stephanie's wife or Stephanie's husband from DP7. Does maybe that's why he's so happy about it. I think we'd all be happy with that. <laughs> guy's kind of a scumbag. <laughs> Dave Landers would be thrilled. Jake <laughs> Travis, you're my hero. <laughs> um, so he he's like he gets uh he keeps going on about um whatever and uh, <laughs> suddenly there's uh, Roth on video again it's time to go and uh, you two are needed so prepare for the jump and while Jenny's at first telling him to not listen Roth then says well I'm sure Jennifer is trying to dissuade you but she hasn't worked with us before she doesn't know what can really hurt her she doesn't know about Slash do you want her to meet Slash 
this guy's got a real knack for like predictive vhs tapes you really push all the right buttons don't you rob yes i do push all the right buttons which is exactly what i expected you to say yes anyway (laughs) so travis is in love with the guns and roses guitarist and he's worried (laughs) that jenny's gonna steal him away if they're introduced So we'll, we'll remember last issue was um, only seen in shadows talking to Ed, Ed, Edmund Roth. Um, the, the name Slash Hannigan was the character. Oh. So when he pops up this time, is like, I'm Jake Travis. I was like, what? Did they forget their own title? But yeah, apparently he's talking a lot about how he, there, he has memories he doesn't believe and then Oh, Flash is a separate. Totally person. didn't make that connection. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, there you go. Now I get it. That actually makes some sense now. It's yeah, yeah. It's it adds up. Um, yeah, I thought they were just trying to threaten him with some goon that was just going to be like rougher than that weirdo that they were testing Jenny with. I didn't. I didn't pick up on the last issue piece where yeah, right. like they're going to trip his personality into evil mode. Yeah, I guess. Although Slash didn't seem that evil. I don't know. He was just like, I I bet against Jenny. I thought she was going to be like more resistance or something. Yeah. Or he maybe just doesn't want to lose control. Also. Hmm. So Jake Jake, uh, straps that parachute right on and she's like, what? I don't care who Slash is, but you can't do anything up here. Stay out of my way, Jenny. I have to jump. Okay, well, there you go. So I'm staying right where I am. I'm not going to risk my life for that kidnapper. And again, it's one P. (laughs) Yeah, one P. Marvel house style. I don't know what's going on, but there you go. And he says, you're very naive. You're involved now. And for the rest of the day, your days, you belong to them. Yikes. Uh, So he takes... He's flying out the wind door and she thinks for a minute with this oxygen mask on and is um, thinks, well, uh, okay. She grabs the chute and heads down. I couldn't let him parachute alone into a war zone, not in his condition. I just couldn't turn my back on him. You know, she's never parachuted before. I mean, (laughs) she's got that move down though, where you like, you know, Take your body like an arrow to, to go fast and catch up to people. No, yeah, yeah. And then they, you know, they could almost link hands in the last panel on that page, but she's thinking about her, you know, what's going on some more as they get down. Parachutes open and she's talking to him. Um, so Halo, obviously, low low opening. It's it's got to be a rough landing, even if you know what you're doing, and she just does not, but okay. Um they're down in this sort of um, empty moonscape, but well, it is Afghanistan. It's rough terrain. They are down in Afghanistan and they see a couple of rebels. Well, they see a couple of men on horseback and uh, she presumably is asking, who are they? The answer is rebels, members of those Afghan tribes who refuse to submit to the Soviet domination overrunning their country. They're a proud people. Definitely the good guys, right? (laughs) Wow, says Jenny. I would certainly hate to go up against people like that for 20 years. (laughs) Oh, that joke never gets old. Except for all the dying and money wasted. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah, this dedicated to the brave fighters of the Mujahideen. Rambo <laughs> 3 had it. Jay one just gets hit by a laser randomly, too, and then they, they kind of almost ignore it. Yeah, the funny thing is, I mean, it looks like it's a, a, a storm, and it like that's lightning at first glance. But she says, she specifies, she's been hit by a laser. Ooh, okay. And uh, 
Where did it come from? I don't know. But the other guy's not waiting around to find out. So um, I guess that the first one just got knocked off that horse by that laser. And uh, the second one brings that horse over to where they're sitting. I am Danjit. Danjit, I have been expecting you. Pleased to meet you, Danjit. And uh, Jake grabs the reins of the horse, tells uh, Jenny to hop on, which she does. So what happened to the man who uh, died at your side? Better that you do not find out, my friends, lest neither of you may survive the night. <laughs> they uh, see something being knocked down, and they start running on the horse. Um, I don't think there's been like a scary horror movie where like all the people are struggling to survive and like frightened and trying to work together and it's like robots killing them has there or armor suits i mean i'm not spoiling it because of the cover though right <laughs> well all we see at first is uh, the last panel on this page is a couple of legs and they're yellow which is the least scary color of all so. yes <laughs> uh let's see there's a couple of rockets that are being fired at uh, Jenny and Jake as they're galloping with Danjit. Then there's more sort of um, pieces of the armor visible in these various panels. Um, more rockets being fired. What's tracking us through this downpour? What's keeping up with us across this terrain, shooting rockets up our tails? Um, how can it be coming after us at 50 miles an hour? We, we get a better view as we go along. And yeah. Dear Lord, it's a max suit. Jake, stop. <laughs> it's got Danjeet. Forget Danjeet. We just met him. <laughs> Two seconds ago, we met Danjeet. What do you expect? I'm a something? proud people for Pete's sake. Proud people. That's right. Yes. The reports were right. Soviets did have access to your father's work. Uh, oh, it brings up Fritz Kratzi. It's uh, maybe has sold this all over the world. How do you know about my father and Kratzi and Max? Well, you know, Ross showed me your file. Okay, well, we're, we're here to confirm that uh, the Russians, the Ruskies, are using Max technology against the rebels. Mm. And uh, now they they they're looking at this max suit that uh, is uh, still holding Danjit. Um, they've gotten far enough away that they they're using binoculars to watch it, and uh, she's thinking that the armor looks dated with uh, some of the the model that her father designed for Kratzi. All right, she says it doesn't make sense. Max is walking away, but he knows we're here. He must want us, but it doesn't make sense unless, and we see something sneaking up from behind, unless we're already covered. And we basically have a repeat of the cover where the two of them are on horseback and the Max armor is attacking them from behind. But, uh, Jenny, I got a feeling it's going to be one of those nights. We'll all remember Jackson Travis. It's going to be one of those nights. Catchphrase <laughs> became his... Uh, is that the beginning of his catchphrase? Really, I don't even know the earliest thing I, usage I remember of it. But anyway. Mm. Next. There's, he's probably got like a bunch of dead former partners. <laughs> you got little Timmy Kill. I'm trying to eat my sandwich. Um, <laughs> it's going to be one of those nights. <laughs> so anyway, next. Code name Spitfire. Jenny makes a decision that forever changes her life. Plus, more on Jake Travis. Right. Is Jake Travis going to kick Jenny out of her own comic? <laughs> <laughs> Look, if if you couldn't stand up to Eduardo Giotti in a comic that was literally named after you. Are you gonna, you know, this like poor man's James Bond going to? You know, I don't think so. I don't. Think so. Mm. Is it okay to peek at the next issue ten and see what the title is? Well, I'm just gonna say the the um, ad that they've been running this month for Code Name Spitfire is now like right across the page. 
So mm. it's, and there's a new name for danger and that sort of uh, dossier manila envelope with uh, specs for a new Max armor, pictures of Jenny and I guess Jake Travis and Edmund Roth, and then some like mystery scientists and a Luger. New universe, monthly from Marvel. So anyway, so that's... At least now we know who three of the people in the pictures for the ad are. Yeah, we're all set. The uh, scientists... I, I still would like to see Jenny's mother as like the evil, you know, making her own Max suits in Russia. Mm-hmm. Why did you, why did mother ever leave you? Why did she leave us? I don't know. She was Russian, said something about taking my technology back home. I, I guess I never told you. Anyway, thanks for checking bought- out my 10th videotape. Of- <laughs> <laughs> you bought all this extra equipment uh, that was clearanced from Sports Power Plus and some guy named Steve Magnaconti <laughs> built some robots out of it. We sold this technology to the fist as well, but they didn't really use it for anything useful. For their hardcore pranking operations. Maybe the fist was ahead of their time, you know, all those like short, stupid internet videos of like pranks and stuff. Like that's yeah, what became yeah. of that was that was their terrorist organization's way to uh you know use influencers to make money or something. Was that Ashton Kutcher? Punked. Punked. There you go. Okay. You've been. <laughs> no, I can't say it. <laughs> the fist version of punk doesn't sound right. Now <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> oh, I got myself going. I don't want to lose our clean rating. <laughs> not going to give that up uh, so um where did you go spitfire and the troubleshooters uh, the I'm, um i'm still very curious as to where things are going to go right like is this i mean you're kind of thinking it's the end of any kind of troubleshooter but there's still sort of unresolved you know, and they wouldn't have introduced new background characters for Steelhawk if he wasn't going to come and do something, right? Or, or she doesn't take over his vengeance, right? Which would clearly still involve troubleshooters, but we're also in Afghanistan. So maybe they have just like two separate paths now. I yeah. I mean, I know Steelhawk recovered rather quickly when he got hurt before, but. Um... <coughs> I guess I'm thinking that like whatever he's gotten uh, now will take several issues to recover from. And so if there was a plan to have him come back and Jenny come back and save them or, you know, something along those lines um, that that would have sort of carried past the end of the series, which we know is going to happen before too long. Um, I mean, I would have been happier with certainly sort of resolving that rather than leaving it as like, oh, and then later, I guess he probably killed them. What? Yeah. I, I have to say, of, of all of the joys of the new universe, like the weird, like D characters that showed up once, like for some reason, always kind of latch on for me. I get a lot of fun out of them. I mean... I mean, Steelhawk is definitely not like a D character. He's sort of the main villain, but just like all the little minor people that sometimes we never see again, like always makes me a little sad and I have to kind of imagine in my head what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, Steelhawk was so over the top that um, he sort of took over the book himself. It it went like 60% Steelhawk, 30% Troubleshooters, 10% Jenny. I don't know. Yeah. Um, which I don't know. I, I, if it wasn't like the feeling that like the writer fell in love with the character himself, um, Mm -hmm. like, I enjoy this much more than whatever I'm supposed to be writing. But, um, okay. I don't, um, I think you, you had said at the last issue, um, that I didn't really follow up on, but that like, did we ever get the initial promise delivered and that's the thing that's always sort of gnawed at me that like 
even if it was just like the first four issues or something, if we'd had like exciting robot action as the a place that that we diverged from rather than like very minimal giant robot use um yeah i don't know I'd, i feel like i would have been happier if i felt they explored the initial premise more than they did yeah and i think like having all that's left is the troubleshooters with jenny in jail and the max armor all blown up right just you know like having like the kids zipping around with their like funky backup, you know, equipment kind of stuff that can occasionally be helpful, you know, I think was kind of fun. Um, but having them on their own, then, you know, that, that wasn't as quite as interesting, but yeah. Yeah. I think maybe the first two issues really kind of felt like the premise, right. You know, the escape with the lab and then battling the tank kind of thing with, with the, the strong arms episode, which I have to go back and I wonder, I, I wonder what I rated that now, you know, with how mythologized I have. The yeah, strong it's arms about now. a C plus. I'm like, <laughs> uh, maybe some promise in this strong arm, but I don't know. I'm sure there's many more strong arms episodes to come. Yeah, it did have like them sort of thinking their way out of the problem too. Like, <clears throat> oh, this has got to be being run by a certain technology this like wire thing and so you just have to find it and cut it you know that kind of clever stuff which is kind of what you want yeah i, I like that jenny in this episode or this issue um like wasn't really buying any of what they were selling for the most part like she was definitely played as smart the uh astral navigation things kind of iffy <laughs> Um, yeah but, but at least it's like her kind of thinking her way out of the problem and kind of figuring out things are going wrong and it's like not until like the last minute where she's kind of morally feels like she's going to help this guy um which is honestly a little questionable because how, how in the world does she know how to halo jump and why does she feel so attached to this dude that she's met has known for three hours but you know, those videotapes can be pretty convincing, I guess. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, the other side of it is the initial promise had like young superstar professor. And mm -hmm. I think from our own experiences, we're pretty familiar with like the efforts and sacrifices that the academic, you know, career uh, takes on people. And it's like, this isn't, you know, a very, I'm just going to dump my, my, you know, whatever I've worked for. I'm a the young genius professor at MIT and then like, yeah, maybe I'm also a spy. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Though so she was ready to go back. Right. And she's all in all purposes. Well, her, her complete intention was to, get out of there, not do anything they wanted them to and, you know, get back to life. So. Right. So that's all. Um, I mean, we, we, we definitely at least have um, like confirmation and not just sort of suspicion that Edmund Roth is, is pretty weaselly. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm half of the time reading this, I'm like, is this the club? like pretending that's, to be the cia and that's like, also yeah good like if you absolutely you know hid the club behind a layer and like it's you know buried in the deep state as we would say now yeah that would actually like really be impressive you know right and oh, she just... thought we forgot about you <laughs> and she's like taking out their competitors that like also have been trying to use the max stuff like hmm. That I would all be cool with. Um, it's, I mean, having the guy be Kratzi be selling the Max technology to other countries. I kind of thought like you know, third countries, not like the USSR itself. I mean, it's the height of the Cold War, and he's a military contractor. So, yeah, that seems a little out of character. I mean, but I do. The, the idea of uh, the Russians appropriating the technology and, you know, that, that's actually, yeah, I like that idea. Yeah, like if the guy, I don't remember his name, but the guy from issue two who like 
Kratzy had some stuff on and was kind of making him act and like he, he drove the or piloted the behemoth tank like if he like weaseled along on the side and kind of sold the secrets kind of thing like that would I feel like that would kind of make sense yeah yeah like, like uh, somebody on the force had the guy selling all the, the list of psychics i mean yeah so this guy had also people <laughs> selling this secret their industrial secrets all over the place yeah yeah um so yeah it's wow it's also hard to read some of this without like our own um view of post code cold war and american uh experiences for the last couple of decades and all that so i'll try to put that aside but yeesh. what a great idea let's fight the russians <laughs> in this country that's next to them mm-hmm. uh, 20 years uh, the ukrainians will be attacking us or something you know it's just like <laughs> can't predict these things yeah let's see let's see mm-hmm. So uh, well, let's call it a, um, I don't know. Do you have a, a, a grade? Hmm. Uh, as, as a lot of times happens when I do this, I enjoy them more the more I read them. <laughs> so like first read, I'm like, just kind of meh all around. You know, second read, I was annoyed and I wrote my Ten, top 10 re- reasons I don't like the strong arms being blown up and like how can I give this thing a good grade if they destroy the strong arms really um, right, I'm, I'm thinking B minus yeah I would have I would have gone a, a step lower but talking it over and thinking about it okay B minus is, is reasonable it's uh, it's got a hint of like okay yeah, it's got a hint of like fun badness, you know, like yeah, it's yeah. not like really wacky, dumb, you know, like just purely to make fun of kind of stuff. Um, you know, so it's got like kind of some interesting story bits going on, um, some really goofy stuff with the videotapes and, and whatnot, which I think are just kind of fun, you know. So yeah, story story is not that great. Direction, I, I still have a little bit of hope. Um, but yeah, just you know, there's a lot of fun stuff in here. Just kind of if you're not taking it too seriously, I guess. Yeah, I mean, if you want to tell a different type of story, I mean, we can cut them slack for an issue or two while they make that transition. And if it ends up as sort of more of a techno thriller, early Tom Clancy spy plus a lot of weird details about avionics um yeah okay um, yeah and it helps that you've uh, uh ushered me along a little bit on the whole slash thing so because i don't know what he was talking about <laughs> yeah it, it was a little uh took it took a took a minute to to figure that uh, twist out but uh, Hopefully I'm on the right track. I think so. It makes a lot more sense than just some scary dude named Slash with a bunch of like spikes and daggers or something. And uh, and I really like the idea that the ninja was the Rolfing nurse lady. <laughs> so I'm just I'm calling that canon until we learn who this ninja is. See, I, I thought it was Varna, and now you have me like that would actually be even cooler. Yeah, you were right before, so I mean, you might be, you could be right again, or maybe they never bring it up, so we don't get extra confirmation, though. Mm. Batting about 500 is probably the best I can do here. Anyway, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's see, so. Let's spit fire number nine. Um, so yeah, the, you know, we, we've been squeezing the last little drops out of this universe news page uh which we're again mostly just thankful that we got but then you know when i'm getting around to spitfire it's like oh darn it's still the same one next next comic should be a new one i think but um, yeah this is the pro- problem with the checklist is it um uh, it's just the current month so it doesn't give you anything ahead of time 
So it's literally the stuff that comes out on the stands. Yeah. Jenny's on her own, except she's got Jake Travis. Um, but yeah, so like the last bit we didn't really ever talk about was the new universe is looking for a slogan. Yeah, it's a, uh, they remember that um, the new universe needs you. Long ago at the dawn of the Marvel Age of Comics, some reader whose name has been lost in the midst of time signed his or her letter with the expression, make mine Marvel. Um, and that became their unofficial slogan. So um, there's also face front and enough said. <laughs> so yeah so we so what we need here at the dawn of this new age of comics is a slogan for the new universe make mine new it just doesn't cut it we wait wait new. wait wait make mine new that's great oh you like you that toss that out really Come boo ah uh, make mine boo is more like no. <laughs> <laughs> boo earns Strong arm in our way into your hearts, the new universe. <laughs> so we'd like you universe, to do. It's just it, supposed to make a buzzing sound. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> what we'd like you to do is send your suggestions for a new universe slogan. The best ones will appear here on the new universe news page alongside the name of the person submitting it. And the best one will become the official slogan of the new universe. We may even throw some goodies, like a free subscription to the New Universe book of your choice. Mm. So they get their address. And so I'm sure we both like remember the actual winner that came out. I don't. Oh, really? No, I really don't. Maybe don't spoil it. I won't spoil it. (laughs) But you, the podcast listeners, can spoil. No, don't spoil it for me. (laughs) Um, I already lost strong arms today. Don't make me sad. We, uh, you know, who's to say that only one slogan is enough? You know, they say right here, enough said, excelsior. I mean, there's other things for the moment. Hang loose. (laughs) Um, So, you know, I would suggest everyone who has their own idea for a new universe uh, logo, slogan, Um, give us, drop us an email here at newuniversepodcast at gmail.com and we'll be happy to read those out for you. Um, hopefully you'll have ones that even uh, readers at the time didn't think of. Um, but uh, do your best, be creative, and we'd love to see some submissions. We would. We are desperate, but not that desperate. <laughs> You can also get, we'll probably have a little prize for this as well. I think so too. I got a nice stack of new universe stickers. But yeah, that'd be cool. We we could use the slogan. Yeah, I uh, make my new isn't good enough for you. Then (laughs) to kick it up a notch. Um, like that sounds like what you'd say when you're at McDonald's or something, right? It's like, can you make this fries new? <laughs> I don't want the old fries. Uh, I guess I should have thought of some joke slogans I could uh, throw in here, but um, <laughs> yeah, my writers are on strike this week. Mm. So shall we wrap this one up? Yeah, let's do it. Next time is. Nightmask number nine. Nightmask enters his own dreams to discover the identity of the mysterious woman that's been haunting his sleep. Girl of my dreams. The potential title written by Sandy Plunkett, penciled by Mark Bagley, inked by Pablo Marcos. I've heard of that guy. Bagley, when this is like maybe his first work. I don't know. Really? Hmm, maybe. Um and hey, I get to read about a book next time. Side Force number nine. <laughs> Have Side Force member Wayne Tucker's powers made him an uncontrollable killer? Probably not. Uh, the tragic death of a teenager tells Wayne what the answer that the answer is yes. 
Ooh. Yes. No. <laughs> Written by Fabian Nicieza. How do you pronounce that? Uh, I always by... think there's an N in there, Nicienza, but it's not. Yeah. Penciled by Bob Hall with a decidedly easier to say name, inked by Armando Gill. Hmm. So that's the artist hey, from famous... the. Oops, sorry. Yeah. I was just going to say that's the artist from the Seattle issue, if that uh, is true. Okay. Yeah. So we got some famous uh, artists and writers here. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, if this is Fabian's first uh, issue, um, he of course goes on to uh, great uh, acclaim. Um, a long run on the X Men later in the nineties. Yeah, so this might be another sort of one of the probably tryout uh, books, which is cool. Hmm. All right, so. Um, as always, we got our website, kickersinc.com. Email us your slogans at newuniversepodcast at gmail.com, and we'll see you back next time at the spinner rack. <laughs>